Welcome to the Brands Built to Impact podcast, where we believe business is simple, not easy, but simple. In each episode, I take you behind the scenes of what it truly means to reverse engineer success by having honest and candid conversations about marketing, impact, and entrepreneurship so that you can build a profitable, sustainable, and truly impactful business. Oh, before I forget, I'm Danae, serial entrepreneur, brand and marketing strategist, and believer in your big, bold dreams. Let's dive in. Hello, hello, and welcome to this episode of the Brands Built to Impact podcast. I'm so excited that you're joining me for this episode specifically, where I'll be sharing my origin story for the very first time. I actually didn't share this episode with you guys because I had such a hard time recording it on my own. I would record, then delete, record, then delete, but I knew that I had to get it out there. And there was this fear a little bit of sharing my origin story and where I come from and wondering if it really mattered to share my origin story. But a key piece of the work that I do and the reason why I'm building this business is because of my story and where I come from and who I'm hoping to help and serve and give back to through growing this business. So I knew that it was a necessary piece that I had to get out there. And so I enlisted the help of a friend, Kate McCarthy of kkmccarthy.com to come and interview me for my origin story. And I'm so glad that I did. It was just this wonderful conversation being able to share my story with her and give you an insight and a glimpse into who I am, what I do, why I do it, and what the purpose of all of this really is for me. I'm a big believer and advocate in sharing our stories because I believe that sharing stories is the way that we change the world because it allows us to build bridges. Not everyone has the same background or experiences, but it allows us to understand each other better and therefore build bridges as opposed to staying in our own corners of the world and not really being able to connect on those deeper levels. So I couldn't bypass that value of mine and not share this episode. So I'm really excited to be publishing this As an FYI, the audio is not that great, not Kate's fault at all. It is all my fault and how I had my setup done when we were recording the episode. So I apologize for that, but thank you again so much for joining me for this episode. And without further ado, let's dive into my origin story interviewed by Kate McCarthy. Hi, tonight. Hi, Katie. Thank you for um, letting me dive into your story and get to know you better and share your story with all of your listeners. I'm so, um, you know, I adore you. And I also uh, have been both fascinated and inspired and grateful to know what has landed you doing what you do um, because you're so dang good at it. Um, And each and every part of our stories, I think are an element of that. And yours start so long ago, like so many of us, you know, we just kind of became entrepreneurs. You have like literally always been one. Um, and so I was wondering if we could just dive in there and you could tell me about where this all started for you and like what has inspired this beautiful entrepreneurial journey for you. Yeah. First of all, thank you so much for uh, doing this. I know In the intro, I talk a little bit about how this episode was really hard for me to record on my own. So I'm so grateful to you for um, coming on the podcast. It's literally my favorite thing to get to know people's stories. So um, that you would ask me, uh, duh. (laughs) No brainer. Um, Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah. So my entrepreneurial journey, like you said, starts a 
a lot earlier than um, most people's do. My family immigrated to the U.S. when I was almost five years old. So I had only grown up in a place where everybody looked like me, talked like me. Um, I saw women in um, positions of leadership where I'm from. And um, uh, so I was actually born in Asmara Eretra, which is a country on the um, eastern uh, border of Africa, right on the Red Sea. And when my family my, like immigrated over, I didn't think that it would be that large of a culture shock. I just thought I was going to make a ton of friends and this was going to be awesome. I actually mm-hmm. used to pretend as a kid that I was like a businesswoman coming back from America to visit my family when I was like three and I'd pretend that I was like giving them all these gifts. And it's like so crazy that <laughs> a few years later we were um, moving here. But that culture shock didn't actually hit me until I was in kindergarten, like my first day in kindergarten. I remember running out of school crying. I was so excited about school, by the way, because I thought I'm going to learn stuff and I'm going to make a ton of friends. I'm an extrovert. So I was like, this is going to be the best day ever. And um, I was actually very excited for school. My sister, on the other hand, was not. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I remember running out of school sobbing. My dad thought like kids had like beat me up on the playground, which could have totally been plausible. (laughs) But um, I was asking him like, why did you guys bring us here? We don't belong. Like, why are we even here? I want to go back home because the students and the kids in my class made it known very early that they didn't want anything to do with me. They were like, you're weird. You're from Africa. We don't want to be your friend. And so that was really hard because I, that's when it hit me that, oh, this is like a huge change. I didn't realize that um, people would make fun of me for being different. And those experiences didn't just happen from like students in my class. Um, I also had teachers who, um, who treated me differently because of who I was. I remember one experience in the third grade where I walked into class one morning and my desk was in the corner facing a wall. And I was like panicking because I'm like this, I was considered like a teacher's pet. And I was like panicking because I was like, what did I do? <laughs> like something wrong. And when I asked my teacher, she was like, oh yeah, I think that you're cheating on the test because there's no way that someone from Africa is doing this well in the class. It just doesn't make sense. And so I sat in a corner for three months by myself. I wasn't allowed to talk to the rest of the kids in the class. Um, And that was very hard. I had so many experiences like that. Um, I continued to excel, but that was such a hard, um, such a hard experience to kind of bounce back from. And I didn't even tell my parents because I thought that I had to prove myself that I had to um, show people that I was, that I was, that I deserved to be in that classroom, that I deserved to be there. Um, And that wasn't, the case at all. And my teacher made it very clear that she didn't think I belong. She didn't believe that I should be there, that I deserve to be there. And that was such a hard experience to kind of navigate. And I experienced a lot of depression as a result. I experienced a lot of this type of bullying throughout my educational years. And um, just having that tension of trying to navigate both worlds has always kind of been um, a big part of my story and a big part of how I think and process. And so, yeah, that was kind of just like the foray into this, this journey a little bit. Wow. And I think it speaks to, I mean, the depth 
of resilience within you? Like, how did that happen? Like, how did you, how did you manage to take the bullying and severe depression and like the pain of having to navigate two wholly different worlds and um, somehow move through that? Yeah. So for me, um, I, first of all, had a really, really incredible support system in my family. And I, of course, as a kid was like, why is this happening to me? Like something must be wrong with me and kind of allowing that to get to me. Um, And I always kind of really valued my teachers and what they thought. And so for me, that was hard to experience that. But my mom was such um, such a grounding force. She always is. She's like my life coach. Um, I love it. She, uh, she would always explain to us that, hey, like this kind of thing is going to continue to happen. And your only job is to continue to excel and keep moving forward. And she fostered the sense of creativity at home. That was our outlet, like my sister and I. Mm-hmm. She would just allow us to explore and draw and read books. And she she's incredibly well-read and she would take us to the library and take us to um, activities where we had to be creative. And it was this way to think outside the box and think outside of um, our current reality and being immigrants living in apartments in the suburbs, um, you also get bullied for that because kids are like, oh, are you guys poor? Like, what's wrong with you? Um, and of course, we didn't wear the, like, the most fashionable things, but my parents were sacrificing so much to make sure that we got a great education, sending us to private schools and schools that had more funding so that we could have um, the opportunity to learn. Um, and so this ability to be able to th- think creatively was something that she fostered for us. And so I started illustrating and drawing at a really young age. I remember my sister and I would pretend we were going to start a fashion company, (laughs) create clothing designs. And um, I designed my very first logo for that business at nine years old. I remember I was like drawing a logo design for our business. I love that. I love that. Like, it's so clear where you were headed so long ago. How cool is that? Yeah, isn't that? And I didn't think anything of it at the time. No, of course not. No, you're not like, oh, I think I'm going to be a graphic designer and um, brand designer and website designer. No, that's amazing. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted. (laughs) Totally fine. Yeah, it's so crazy to think that. And um, so that kind of just snowballed into creating graphics. And my mom was um, teaching other women and she had like a Bible study group and I started creating like CDs and um, even designed a book cover for her and a website that was like generating revenue when I was like in the 11th grade for her. And I remember that this was just a way for me to escape. I didn't really think of it as a way to someday that would be a way to run a business and create my own. I was just like, this is my way to escape. And the biggest lesson I think that I learned from this creative outlet um, was my ability to reverse engineer things. My mom would Mm. always ask us, she would sit with my sister and I and say like, okay, what do you guys want to do? And she would push us to think outside of what's possible. She'd be like, look beyond what you think is possible right now because of your current circumstances. And she would be like, if you didn't have any problems or any um, thing hindering you from doing whatever it is you wanted, what would you do? What What are your big goals and dreams in life? And she didn't just stop there. She would always 
after we would like say all these things that we wanted to do and all these crazy ideas, um, she would always say, okay, how do we get there? What do you need to do? What needs to be true for that to be a reality for you? And that is like the biggest lesson I've ever learned in my life. It allows me to dream big, dream beyond what is possible in this world. And I think that's what entrepreneurship is, is people who dream beyond what's possible right now and then can reverse engineer that to create that reality. Um, and that was like my outlet that literally was, I was always dreaming and daydreaming and illustrating and drawing things in my notebook. And um, it was just a way for me to escape what um, felt like a world that was like closed in a box, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I think too, that like so many of us, in the entrepreneurial sphere. Like if we were to start and we were just to like start without that big vision in mind and not reverse engineer, we would burn out so quickly. We would see all the ways that like our current situation didn't make room for that. But I love that idea of dreaming big beyond like what you can currently see as possible. Um, and I know that we'll get into this, but that feels like such a huge theme um, in your work as well. And then that idea of like holding that vision and just reverse engineering yeah, makes it all feel like each step is possible. Each step is leading somewhere as opposed to having to fight for every little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, that was like the biggest, the biggest thing that got me through all of those years, because yeah. if I had kind of just thought about like all the experiences I was having, I would have crumbled under that kind of did a little bit with being depressed and wondering like what I became such a thinker because of that because I was always like okay why does the world work this way like what's going on why is why are people think and process things in this way and I've always um been kind of a deeper thinker and let things get a little bit under my skin so um (laughs) just a little. Um, and having that outside perspective of being able to see that those things were possible was so huge because if I had just taken everything at face value, I would have been like, yeah, okay, well, I'm not going to be able to accomplish a lot in life. And I got that message a lot of times from teachers, other kids and having my mom who was like, no, that's possible. You just have to work backwards. Like what it needs to be true. What do you need to do to get to that point? Like what things, like, do you need to have the, a certain degree or a certain experience? What is it that you need? And when you think in that perspective, the whole world opens up. The sky is literally the limit because it's only as, it's big as, it's as big as your imagination. So yeah, um, yeah, that's, and that's probably why I'm like very much a visionary for the business and sometimes have trouble with being like, okay, let's, um, all the tasks, <laughs> like, <laughs> let's break it down. Yeah. So there's just like this huge creative outlet in your life where like all of every little bit of that creativity and that dreaming is fostered at home. Um, and I love what you said, like, okay, if this is where we want to go, what do we need to get there? Including like degrees and education, speaking of degrees and education, like you didn't go to college for in the creative field. Am I correct? No. Yeah. That's okay. Right. So like, how did that knowing like the journey so far, how did that come to be? And like, what did you study? Yeah. So even though I was doing all these creative things and all the things that I'm doing right now, I was doing all those years ago. Mm-hmm. I still felt this deep responsibility to get a serious degree because my parents had sacrificed so much leaving their home and their families. And the one thing that they had always said to us was like, 
we want you guys to get a good education because to them, that was the only way to kind of get to the next step. They were like, you get a job, you get a degree, you get a job, you get to take care of yourself and build something that wasn't possible for them. Yeah. So that was the avenue that they saw. And I felt that deep responsibility to kind of um, not pay them back, but honor their, um, honor their sacrifice by going to school and getting a college degree. And I loved school. Don't get me wrong. It, I genuinely enjoyed school and did well. So um, it wasn't like a far-fetched thing for me to like go to college and get a, um, a serious, and I say that with air quotes, degree. Um, right. And so I thought that, and I want to tell people that's really what my passion was. And I figured, okay, well, I could become a doctor. And okay, and I'm good at the sciences and math. And so um, I went to college to get a degree in biochem with minors in psych and accounting, which is so weird and random. But I was always fascinated with how people think and process. I actually read a book about the psychology of sales in 11th grade. I remember that was like my first business book. And I was, yeah, of course you did. <laughs> I was so fascinated with this concept of like, someone creates something and then we give them money in exchange for that, like what's happening in our brains. And so the psych degree was more to, that psych minor was there to uh, appease that fascination of mine. And I've always, like I said, I always loved business and I thought that someday I would start a business. I, But I didn't understand that you could sell information. I always was like, you have, to have like a product or something. Mm or own a building. And I thought that I would have like a clinic or something like that being a doctor that I'd have my own practice. And that made sense as in business terms, like, Oh, you have a building or like a location people can go to. And so I did the accounting to kind of prepare for that in the future. I was like, Oh, I'm interested in like economics and learning about this. So I guess I'll have an accounting minor. And so that's really what I um, did school wise. On the other flip side of that, I was in college getting this degree in biochem, thinking that I'm going to go to medical school someday. And I had started working retail in high school as a way to have friends, like find friends and meet people. And I thought that, hey, this sounds fun. I get to dress people all day. This is cool. Um, But I was really fascinated, again, with the concept of selling and like, how does that all work? And so... um, I remember asking my managers a ton of questions. And so throughout college, I they were like, oh, this girl actually cares about this stuff and is <laughs> learning more about like the business side. And I kind of worked my way up to being able to do like visual marketing and merchandising and um, doing trainings on sales psychology for other people in um, companies like Aerie and Loft. And so those were some incredible opportunities that I got. And it all came just because I was curious and asked questions, which is funny because when I was a kid, my teachers would say like, I was disruptive because I would always question things. And I was always the kid who was like, well, wait, why are we doing it that way? Like, doesn't it make sense to do this? Or wait, we didn't learn about this yet. And so they always said that I was disruptive, but it turns out that asking those questions are, um, is just a way to, is another little entrepreneurial thing that we all do where we're like, why, but why? (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I, um, that was my background in school and it was kind of, um, different from, of course, all the creative stuff, but I realized that the analytical side of 
um, the sciences were actually very much creative. You have to be able to interpret the information and the data in a different way. And um, it was just this really cool blending together once that clicked for me in my senior year that, oh, like the sciences are kind of creative too. It's just a different, a different form of creativity. And so I, um, after graduating, I realized I didn't want to go to medical school. It wasn't as people-centered and focused as I had hoped it would be after talking to doctors and figuring out what it looks like to work in that job day to day. And um, I was kind of lost for a little bit. I was the girl with the plan. I always had like my spreadsheets for the next like five years, 10 years planned out. And I was sitting down and thinking, I got this degree. I told my parents that I wasn't going to go and <laughs> become a doctor. And I was like, okay, so what do, what do I do? I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. What do you do when you like rip up that five, 10 year plan? Yeah. And it was to start from scratch. Yeah. And it was this huge crossroads for me because I was sitting there thinking, why did I do all of this random stuff? I was like, this doesn't make any sense. I was like, I didn't get any skills that would help me in anything because I was thinking, okay, well, you like creative stuff, but then you got a degree in the sciences. Like who does that? What, how is this going to help you in any way, shape or form to be able to have all of these different varied backgrounds? Cause you're taught that you have to be really good at just this one aspect. Like if I had been creative my entire life, gotten a degree in the creative arts, like that would make sense for a job. I could use that and say like, look, I've been doing this my entire life. And I also got a degree to back up the skill set. Um, and I just went in a different direction and did all these random things. So that was um, a really huge cross- crossroads for me when I was thinking about, okay, what happens next? Do I get a job, which I knew was going to be awful? Or do I start a business? And then I was like, well, what would I sell? I don't even have any products. I don't make anything physical. Um, so yeah, that was, that was an interesting kind of crossroads. Yeah, absolutely. So you're there at this crossroads. How how did you get into entrepreneurship, especially the way that it looks now, the way that your business looks like? How what was that journey like then realizing that this was the next step? Yeah, so like I said, I had no idea that I could sell basically how I think and process information. I didn't know that that was possible. Um so I took my creativity and I was like, oh, and I was painting furniture. My sister and I had moved into an apartment and um, I was just like randomly redecorating and painting things. And I was like, oh, maybe I could refurbish furniture, which is a terrible, terrible business idea for me personally, because it's not something that you can kind of, (laughs) it takes a very long time and requires uh, lots of materials. And so I think it has, that's one of those, I mean, all of it hopefully should be, but that definitely has to be like a passion. And like, this is how my brain works is in refurbishing furniture. Yes. Not just like, I'm going to go paint this table today. (laughs) It was, and and then you have to spend so much time finding furniture, which was kind of fun. But after going to so many, you know, like estate sales and stuff, you can only do that so many times. Um, Right. And then where's the profit? You've spent gazillions of hours and you've had one piece of furniture anyways. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to start this refurbishing business. This is going to be great. And that's because of that limiting belief where I was like, you can only 
sell things if you have a product or right. a location. And so I was doing this on the side, not very seriously at all. I was basically just painting for fun is what I was doing, um, buying things and spending money to paint things for fun. <laughs> um, uh, and not really, but I was immersing myself very deeply into marketing and understanding even more in depth than I had all that experience with kind of seeing how that plays out in an online space and was seeing, getting to know a lot of people who are running businesses primarily online. And I was sharing my expertise um, since I had that marketing background and that sales psychology background and being able to um, give them ideas. And for me, the concept of reverse engineering something was intuitive because I'd been doing it for my entire life with my mom. And so I was giving suggestions to people and giving ideas and they were getting results. And someone asked, well, do you offer like branding and marketing as a service? And that's when the light bulb went off. I was like, oh, the way I process and information that's in my head is the business. I was like, oh, I didn't realize that all of this experience and random, random things, seemingly random things um, could come together into a business that helped other businesses do things that they were struggling with because a lot of creatives struggled with the analytical side and being able to um, analyze data and information that they had. And so they were throwing a lot of things at the wall, but um, it became very clear when I would say, oh, but you see these numbers, these are the important things. This is what you would need to do to fix that or whatever. And then a lot of the business-minded people had trouble with creatively implementing ideas and being creative in the sense of how they implement marketing and even their visuals and things like that. And so I was at this crossroads of like, oh, I can do both. I know how to do both. And all the years of playing around in the creative and the analytical space gave me this unique perspective and how I saw the world and how I, um, how I kind of processed information in that way. And so that's when um, the Asmara agency was born. And when that light bulb went off, I like jumped in that dove in head first. I was like, yeah, forget furniture. (laughs) (laughs) Done with that. This is what I want to spend all my time and give all my heart to. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so, yeah, I opened it in July of 2017. And here we are. You're so amazing. How, what has happened since you opened it? Tell me about like all the the beautiful stuff that has come of it. I mean, I, I have a little behind the scenes knowledge of it, but yeah, yeah, what has happened since you opened it? So I started heart, it was heart and bind creative originally, Mm -hmm. um, thinking that, Hey, this will be a great thing. If, and I didn't even think that I would have clients. I was like, this is going to be a long time coming. I was like, we're going to be in the, in the long haul. And that's such a great, I'm really glad that I had that perspective. I wasn't, I didn't come into it. I wasn't in the online space for long enough to kind of get bought into the six get, figures in six days yeah, kind of thing. Uh huh. didn't. And I always had the concept and I had always worked with really large businesses like Aerie and Loft. And I knew how long it took to implement things and you would make right. a suggestion and six months later, here it is. And you're like, oh, wow, that, that took right. a lot. If you're lucky, six months. Fast. Yeah. Uh-huh. Fast too. Um, yeah. And so for me, I always thought like, oh, this is going to be a very long road. Like 
I won't get clients for a year, but it'll be good to just kind of dive in. So the very first week before I just had announced it and in a group in a Facebook group that I was in that, Hey, like, I'm going to do this crazy thing. Do you guys have suggestions, ideas of like what to think through, um, as I start this business. And before I had a website, I had my very first client and I was like, wait, like, this is interesting. I was like, I didn't realize that this could happen. I was like, this is, this is fast. I was like, okay. But then I was like, okay, this will be the one client and I have to like do a great job because like there might not be any coming for months and months and months, or maybe even um, a year or more. And within the first year, I had worked with over like 50 entrepreneurs. Mm. And so we're at the one year and a little over half um, year mark. And in that time, I've worked with over 70 or 75, yeah, 75 plus um, clients. And I've been able to help entrepreneurs share their stories, people who didn't think that they had anything to share, to put it out there in the world and find what it is that makes them unique. Because I've always, all the years of being different and being pointed out as different and being, um, and being, and having that made known to everyone all the time, wherever I was, uh, gave me this ability to see what's unique in other people. Because I always it's something when it's a, it's a spotlight in your life, you kind of start to notice it. Like when you buy a car and you notice everybody else has that car and you're like, why did I buy this car? Everyone has. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I noticed that in, um, in the, in the sense of like branding as well and being able to help people position themselves for, um, what it is that makes them unique and different and special in this world, because we all have that. And we've been able to help our clients generate over $325,000 in revenue, which is, um, which to me, that number means more than just that dollar amount. To me, it means that these people who felt like maybe their business wasn't going to be able to help them make revenue or be able to have the life that they wanted or be able to create the type of impact that they want in the world, that number means that people bought into their story, bought into who they are and their vision and what they want to accomplish in the world. And so um, that is like a huge, huge deal. And so, yeah, it's been a pretty crazy year and a half plus-ish time, but it's always been rooted in that idea of being able to tell those stories and and make those visions that aren't yet a reality, a reality for my clients and for people just out there doing their thing. I think it's the coolest thing because um, one of my favorite things to do when I hear people's stories is you'd get to see like the patterns that pop up. Right. And like, for you, it is so obvious, like from kindergarten, how all of the steps, whether it seemed like they made sense back to back or not has created this like brilliant agency, right. That like manages to navigate between the world of like data and science and creativity and expression and to be able to see possibility and then find the steps to get, I just think it's so beautiful to be able to see how all of that and all of the, um, struggle or challenge or having to be resilient in the face of uh, like true oppression, right? Like has led you to build and give birth to this um, beautiful agency. And I'm so curious for you, like what is the bigger mission and vision? Yeah. 
Um, I think that in all areas of our lives, we are, whether explicitly told or things that we believe because of how the world works and how it's set up, there are things that we believe are not possible or that we aren't able to accomplish. Um, I'll tell one last story. In the sixth grade is when I started my very first graphic design business, which thinking back now, I'm like, maybe I should have listened to sixth grade me. Um, (laughs) And I had a graphic design business. And I remember that it was at a school where the teachers had told me that um, I I wouldn't really amount to much in life and that um, I was lucky to have the opportunity to be at the school, even though my parents were paying to send me to this private school, that I was lucky to have this opportunity and that um, kind of telling me that the kids I was in the classroom with would someday give me a job. Um, And it it was in that environment that I created a business that was profitable, that the school even wanted a part of our profits because I was selling bookmarks to kids and they were willing to, crazily enough, give me money to create (laughs) custom design bookmarks for them. And, um, And that for me is like the pinnacle of what, um, what the mission is, is to whatever it is that has been, you've been told, whatever it is that you believe about what's possible in the world is not true. Um, I'm a testament to that. There are other hundreds of thousands of people who are a testament to that. And through entrepreneurship, through our ability to create things that the market wants and that people want, um, to pay for, we are able to create those re- realities in the world. And I want to be a beacon for um, people who feel like things are not possible or that they're far out of their reach or there isn't a clear path to get there. Um, and especially for girls who look like me and young girls who um, have the same experiences that I've had to be that beacon to show them that the world is a really big place. And just because you're in this place that tells you, hey, this is all that there is and you're not going to be able to move past that, that's not true. And I'm a testament to that. A bunch of people I've worked with are a testament to that. And I just want to be able to tell those stories, share those stories and get that work out into the world so that more people can create their own realities and not be tied to whatever it is that we've been told is, um, is our reality or how it has to be. Mm. Ugh, I have like chills when I rage over like the ways that the world has limited us. And then I also have like just chills and hope and gratitude for the work that you do and the vision that you have, um, for this really beautiful, agency that's been born. Yeah, me too. That's my favorite part about what I do is um, opening up those doors. And because I have that ability to create those paths and show people that, oh no, there's a, there's a path to get there. And it may not be, it may not be a path that anyone else has traveled yet. And you may be the first one to travel that path, but you're going to and you're going to make it happen. And when they see that that's possible and they do it and they're like, wow, like this has worked. Like, this is amazing. I, that's like the greatest joy of my life is being able to do that. Yes. The revenue, the, the increase in their audience and list size, all of those things are fantastic, but that means that you're making an impact. And that's even more um, important to me is that 
you're changing people's lives and you get to do that through a business that also pays you, which is like, even it's like, oh, hey. (laughs) Yeah. It's a wild experience. It is. It really is. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you for sharing your story. And I think that it's, um, there are so few of us that can look back at our early, early childhoods and see how um, the threads were they started to be woven that early. And I think, I think honestly, like if we all looked back, we could probably see some common threads, Um, but yours are just so, um, so clearly have led you to this place to be doing the work that you're doing. And I'm grateful for it because I do, like, I'm so with you on this mission and vision, like the idea of human beings being able to create, um, something that is like born within them and then have through your work this path that like lonely as it might be, like revolutionary as it might be, that will get them to their bigger vision. Like so grateful for the work that you do in the world. Yeah. And I, you, I couldn't have said it more perfectly. That's what I think entrepreneurship is, is just entrepreneurs are a group of people who see the world, um, that see a world that isn't here yet and hasn't existed yet. And whether that be because your work isn't out there yet and you're like, oh wait, I can help people with this. That's a world that doesn't exist yet. And Mm. you, um, and that's what entrepreneurs do. They see this world that isn't here and then they go and make it happen. However, whatever that looks like, whether that's you starting a mom group on Facebook to help other women through motherhood, or you're out to, you know, shake up the entire world and um, turn it upside down, whatever that looks like to me, those are the same thing. You are creating a new world. And I, I love, I just love that idea. Me too with you. Thank you. Thank you so, so much for interviewing me for this origin story. I appreciate you and love you more than you know. Oh my gosh. The feeling is so mutual. Thank you so much for sticking around to the end of the episode. I am so, so grateful for you. If you haven't had a chance to do so yet, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast so that you get a notification every time a new episode drops. If you're so inclined, feel free to leave a review. I would be forever grateful. Thanks again, and I'll catch you in the next episode.